Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica, and I'm going to play for you today. This is a little bonus clip that you guys are just getting this week. Um, a piece that was supposed to be on the original episode, but couldn't make it due to length. Um, I think it's important we talk about the Governor General and toxic workplaces and um, have a discussion around that, which a discussion I am not really hearing a lot of, but it's a discussion that needs to be had. How toxic workplaces affect mental health, how they um, affect our trajectory in our professional trajectory, and um, what makes a bad leader and what makes a good leader. So please enjoy this little um, extra gift, I guess, uh, of a discussion that I think uh, should have been had a while ago, but I'm happy to take the opportunity of the story to talk about it. Also, I wrote about the Governor General in relation to toxic workplaces in the Hill Times. I will drop that link and uh, enjoy. Now we're going to talk about a different issue. Um, and with me to join us in that discussion is my business partner with Not In My Color and friend and leadership specialist, Anna Robson. Welcome, Anna. Thank you for having me on. So we're going to talk about the Governor General. And the reason I brought you on to talk about this is because you're a leadership expert and, um, you know, you are an expert in workplace trauma and the toxicity of many workplaces, which Mm -hmm. is why we partner up so well for Not In My Color. So let me just bring everybody up to speed and then we'll go. Embattled Governor General Julie Payette um, resigned Thursday, so last Thursday, amid reports that a third-party probe into allegations of workplace harassment and bullying from current and former staffers had been completed. Um, In July of last year, CBC News revealed that Governor General Julie Payette had created a toxic work environment at Rideau Hall by verbally harassing employees to the point where some had been reduced to tears and others left the office altogether. Four members of Payette's communications team have departed during the pandemic period alone. A fifth person is, was leaving in the week that the story broke and another two had taken leaves of absences. Leaves of absence, sorry. It's just the latest in the wave of staff to quietly transfer out of the small office in response to mistreatment during Payette's mandate, multiple sources said. The sources say that Payette 
had yelled at, belittled, and publicly humiliated employees. They accused her of throwing tantrums in the office and, on one occasion, tossing an employee's work aside and calling it shit. In September of last year, the Prime Minister came to Julie Payette's defense, saying that Canada had an excellent representative for the Queen and that now is not the time to replace her. So um, the comments follow allegations, uh, these employees' allegations. And um, there are reports of her having incurred a variety of extraordinary costs. Uh, Apparently, she was renovating Rideau. um, I think it's Rideau Hall. Is it? Yes. I believe it's Rideau Hall. Yeah. And um, the prime minister noted while he was uh, singing her praises that the federal government, so the Privy Council, stepped in to hire a consulting firm to investigate reports of a toxic work environment at Rideau Hall. Um, so a lot has gone on. Uh, the report came out and it basically confirmed what everybody was saying that she is a horrible boss, she is abusive to her staff. And, um, I, I know that a lot of the staff were actually shocked that she resigned because they really had no recourse other than making it public. So I guess uh, my first um, observation is that she was allowed to get away with it for so long um, and that uh, even the prime minister came to her defense uh, at a time when I think that that was just the wrong move whatsoever. I don't think there's any good time to defend an abuser, to be honest. And that's what he did. There is a whole bureaucratic system in place that is meant to protect its own self, right? It's the whole institutional protection in a way. That, uh, for example, there is the political institution, there is the policing institution, right? And if you don't step up to, as you say, to your friends in a way, to people in your corner, and hold them responsible and yourself responsible, you get this chain of systemic harassment and systemic abuse. It all follows each other. You know, once Trudeau approved of her methods, she was given the leniency in a way to continue as she has. And something we don't hear very much is that she wasn't alone in her abusing uh, her staff, her top advisor, DiLorenzo, Assunta DiLorenzo, her, has been exhibiting exactly the same behavior, right? So we, we, really, we, we all, that's how we see what, that this is systemic, you know? And what happens is when um, we have passive leadership like this, aggressive and passive leadership, we see a lot of traumas that happens and people with less power have very few avenues of recourse because once you voice your grievance, you essentially put your livelihood and your career on the plate. You know, anybody can just at some point blacklist you for being, you know, the rat, the snitch, 
Right. So there's a lot of when when somebody steps up and says, this has happened to me and my boss did this to me. I think this is a powerful moment we need to acknowledge. Right. As well as the fact that there is no consequences that we see for her. Yes, there's going to be a report that might be released. Right. But what happens when she continues her retirement, you know, life with fun, funds that you know, the citizens pay for, having no consequences for what she, her, her behavior has caused. And of course, we also have the issue of the fact that this is the highest offices in our country. And they're modeling the, how to run and manage people everywhere in Canada, right? We model everything on the highest offices. So, you know, we see this a lot as well, you know, even Payas said, oh, nobody told me that they have a grievance against me on my behavior, right? And that again, puts the onus and the responsibility to the employee, to the staffer, to put themselves in danger in a way by either saying something or continue being victimized. There aren't that many choices because once you have a job, you hold on to that job because it's your livelihood. You have to make money, put food on your table, right? So I think that the power dynamics is something tricky and insidious. And there's a lot of types of power, you know, institutional, financial, and they all work together. And, you know, accountability consequences are what is expected once we have the privilege of having roles of leadership, if that makes sense. Yeah. I I want to go back to something you said, which is that her leadership was both aggressive and passive. Can you expand on that? Well, absolutely. Well, passive leadership is something where you sit and expect that somebody will come to you with an issue instead of going out and talking with people, with being actively seeking uh, feedback, feedback, uh, communication, concerns, addressing conversations that are uncomfortable. Right, so that's active leadership. Passive leadership is putting all the responsibility on the staffer to come to you. And then of course there's the aggressive leadership where you lead with fear. Your work is shit. You, I will not give you a, refer, a recommendation or in the future, right? This is a, an act of aggression against somebody, right? So if you yell at somebody, that's aggressive. That's physically aggressive. You're threatening them with your volume and you have the power over them, right? You have the ability to enact consequences on them. You have the, um, the ability to give rewards and then to include granting them additional power, for example, right? So there's a lot of those nuances that we forget to talk about when we talk about active leadership, progressive leadership, responsible leadership, right? So I think that we don't talk a lot about as a leader, you have control over another person's options. Oh, say that again. Say that again. I love it. As a leader. (laughs) You have control over another person's options. That's exactly what power is, right? At the, for the, at the, at the base of it is that leaders have power And one thing we don't talk about enough is the power dynamics and how those play out. 
how do you expect somebody who's being harassed by you mm-hmm. when you have power over their livelihood and their economic advancement mm-hmm. how do you expect that person to come to you with something that you did that um that harmed them like it's ridiculous on on the surface it's a ridiculous question it's a it's just ridiculous hmm. ridiculous by the way Anna will be leading um some of our um part of our anti-racism and leadership training and we'll be digging into this a lot more about power mm-hmm. differentials and dynamics and passive and active leadership and how that how passive leadership can really it can really start to destroy the fabric of an organization and I know that we've talked about it a lot off like obviously off mic but um like that's what's like you helped me to understand what was happening with my own dynamics and that's what (laughs) was so awesome anyway uh back to julie payette what does it say when the prime minister when faced with these um with these accusations of somebody that he appointed that he handpicked that he he pretty much denied them mm-hmm. i mean he did mm-hmm. he denied the accusations of an ab- like of against an abuser because that abuser was somebody that he picked and mm-hmm. we're not even talking we're talking about harassment and bullying right now i think about that in in terms of like sexual abuse which is you know a step further obviously but it is still in the abuse sort of spectrum right and and so what does that say about bigger issues and his response to bigger issues does he just say oh nothing's happening here and what does that do to the people who are looking to him for reprieve well i think it's a very damaging stance for canada when we when our leader our you know the person that's supposed to be the most empathetic the most decisive right uh is that's supposed to take a stand which is what his platform was built on really is that he's going to take a stand for ethics and to see him do exactly the opposite just tells us that there's no reason for us really to fight you know what are you going to do we have less power we are you know that means you know if you're marginalized you're undervalued you shut down or even put down it he essentially says an unsafe workplace is totally okay with us You, you know because you know what I'm sure it's not that bad, you know? We always think it's not that bad because we think if somebody does this to us, oh, we'll handle it better, right? And and that's, you know, even we can go into ableism with that, right? Where we think that whoever is in pain is not really in as much pain as they say they are, right? So I think 
the consequences of this in our society, which is so obsessed with productivity and efficiency, right, is when it re essentially rewards bureaucratic systems that harms others, it really tells us that our leader it has no ethics and we are out on our own in a way. There is nobody that's going to stand for us. He won't stand for himself, for, for his platform. So he won't stand for us, right? So what that means is essentially we are unsafe. It's okay for us to be abused. That's what he said. Right? Yeah, he really made, um, he really perpetuated an unsafe workspace as everything's okay here. Like there's nothing to see here. Yes. Like he protected uh, an abuser, bad. let's be honest, you know. Absolutely, you know, and you know, it's exactly why we have the conversations of why wouldn't people come up with this issue before, right? You know, that kind of accusation of, you know what, why are you bringing this to me now? Why you couldn't bring brought it to me back then, right? It's, you know, and you know, then because then it turned into that aggressive, oh, I'm leaving. So I'm not even going to deal with this. I'm leaving. I'm going to take my money. Right. Uh, and I think that this is the kind of lack of empathy in our leaders that we're truly missing. We, uh, our choices when we vote are so limited in terms of morals and ethics and leadership, right? That we pick from essentially a pool of, I'm going to try to find it the nicest way to say this, you know, of unqualified, unethical people. I mean, that is our choice. Those are our choices, right? So I think our issue here is the systemic part of it, where we need to dismantle the system that makes us elect this kind of, kind of people that protect abusers. Now, and not only protect, it's like a blessing, right? Go forth and do more of this essentially because you know what, it's fine. And so I would say that if you take it the furthest way is we have a major, major issue on how we are, the world around us operates. And what's really important is that we actually have the ability to change it. We just need to do it. And our leaders currently won't do it. That's the, br the brunt of it, really. So what's the basic, like, the basic building blocks of that change? Without getting into specifics, just... Yeah. Well, you need to create value systems here that people stand for. We need to have consequences for actions. We don't, because you can't have privilege without accountability and consequences. So the building blocks yeah. are there. And then the rules apply to all of us. If you yeah. broke the rule, if you broke a norm, you know, it's the norms themselves are created by us, right? So when we look at what is normal and what is accepted, all right, the building blocks really are finding something. Does this serve our values and our platform of uh, ethics? Yes, no, you keep this. And then, you know, so basically you go and compare everything, every process we have, every system to a new normal where we actually have leaders who stand for us and aren't there just to play the game. Yeah. And, you know, you know, and I can tell you and you like I, I talked to the, you about this is that 
how many anti-racism, diversity and inclusion um, action plans are being drawn up without any accountability whatsoever? I would say about 90% of them. And so they're not going to do anything, but, um, but, you know, create a facade of inclusivity rather than actually dealing with the, with the, with the hard work of creating an accountability framework, because without an accountability framework, you've got nothing, you've got corruption. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You have to be able to stand and you up have not abuse. to your enemy. You yeah. have to be able to stand up to the people that are in your court, so to say, and say, hey, what you're doing not, is not right with, with our code of ethics, with our values, with our accountability framework. So this is how we'll act. Instead of saying, you're in my court and I will let anything slide. Right. right? And you, we have to hold ourselves and our, the people we care about and being able to hold it each other accountable in a caring strong way and what happened is that we're seeing so far absolutely nothing has happened because not only through the okayed the issue right we have them also the fact that yes she stepped down but she had kept all the bonuses of all of the perks the, yeah. of, of the, all, all, all the perks of white mm-hmm. supremacy are still there yeah yeah it's just there that's yeah you can avoid the fact yeah yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Do you think that um, now she was so much a part of their branding exercise that they didn't even check into uh, her background, her work history, nothing. And, you know, there is and there is sort of, you know, uh, um, a deprivation of care there for the office Mm -hmm. and for the people who would be working under her Mm -hmm. and that's why so much of this falls on Trudeau's shoulders it's because he created because he didn't do um the due diligence the due diligence he he allowed this environment to be created and then take over to the point where Apparently, she's even destroyed the reputation of the office because nobody wants to work there. Absolutely. And if you look back at the timeline of her holding the office, you see that it's actually very similar to the timelines of her previous workplaces. She was essentially elected, or I'm sorry, elected, chosen by Trudeau for her medals. Right? And medals tell us nothing really about... uh, who she is and how she'll govern and manage uh, and work with uh, the staff, right? So what happened is if you don't do due diligence, you, you dig your own, um, you know, I don't want to say grave, but you dig your own mess, right? So it's the due diligence is part of accountability. You can't just say, I like this person and they have a bunch of medals. I'll put you in one of the highest offices in the, in the country, right? Because there's a lot of people with medals and that does not mean that they should be governing or being um, a leader of any, anybody, leading anybody, right? So there's a role and a brand that she was supposed to uphold and then she hasn't because she couldn't. 
we choose leaders not based on their leadership potential and skill, but based on the medals and accolades they have for the works they've done. Yes, she's a specialist in something, but she's clearly not invested in creating um, progressive, active leadership, right? There was no interest there. She didn't try to do it. She wasn't given the tools to do it. Those are, you know, you can just plump somebody in a place and say, do the work. Just be pretty and go smile at people in that work, right? Uh, you know, there has to be a respect for the position as well as the tools to carry the job of the position, right? And we know that there's none because it's been written everywhere, right? She, and I think that's another part of due diligence. As leaders, we are responsible for creating the frameworks and the tools so that when we are journeying to our positions, to our career, we have those structures and frameworks to hold us accountable and safe. So, well, on that note, I think that, you know, we talked about, this is really good. I didn't, I didn't really expect this whole, like, leadership overview and i feel like that's something we don't talk about yes agree you know we don't talk about what it takes who should and should not be a leader we just kind of accept it as oh yes. i guess this person has position and mm. i guess they i also think there's a difference between management and leadership but Agreed. that's for another discussion <laughs> yes i just want to dive into that let, yes. let, let's not do that all right um in order to uh, hear more of Anna, sign up to Not In My Colors newsletter, where she gives these wonderful tidbits about leadership, about progressive leadership. Actually, can you tell people what you consider progressive leadership, what it is and all of that before we go? Absolutely. Progressive leadership is intentional leadership, intentional with care. It's intentional with responsibility. Leadership is, to me, is equal, progressive leadership, I'm sorry, is equal to responsible and active leadership. So you go out and you take responsibility and take the sort of, say, the mantle of the person who goes out and make sure that everybody is okay. So a progressive leadership looks at the future as an opportunity to create caring, inclusive workplaces. They don't shy away from the conversations that are the most difficult, you know, white supremacy in the workplace. Important to actually address and actually dismantle. You can't just say we're done with it and hope for the future, right? You go and actively look at your systems and your processes and you always look at them. You, are, you evolve them as you are cognizant of care for the people you work with grows. Okay, so on that note, um, we'll say bye to you, Anna. Anna also, in addition to um, doing leading the masterclass with me, she is also available and takes on one-on-one clients, coaching clients. She's very good at it. So uh, you can email her at connect at notinmycolor.com. And thank you. Bye, everybody. My bitch is bad and bullshit.